Welcome to Fathering Excellence, where fathers of accomplished people share their parenting insights. This episode, I'm excited to be talking with Tom Condy, father of Kyra Condy. Kyra is a professional rock climber and member of the Olympic rock climbing team. Kyra has an aggressive and quick climbing style that has elevated her to the top of the podium at several competitions, including first place at the 2019 USA Combined Invitational Nationals and first place at the Bouldering National Cup the year prior. Kyra had to overcome a major obstacle to accomplish her climbing goals. At the age of 13, she was diagnosed with idiopathic scoliosis, a severe spinal curvature that required major surgery involving the fusion of about 10 vertebrae. Kyra dedicated herself to her recovery with the same intensity that she climbs with. And just two years later in 2012, she won the Youth Bouldering Nationals. Kyra has one older brother, Xander, who, like my wife, is a teacher. And I'm sure that Xander, like my wife, is working tirelessly to provide the best education for his students, despite the unprecedented circumstances brought about by COVID-19. Kyra and Xander are both very fortunate to have Tom Condy as their father. Tom takes his role as a father seriously. At one point, he moved to a part-time position so that he could dedicate more time to being a parent. In this episode, Tom talks about that decision, and he shares some terrific parenting advice. He also talks about how he applied some wisdom from Harry Truman in raising his two terrific children. Before we get started, one important request. If you hear anything you like on the episode or other episodes, if you could please leave a rating and feedback, especially on iTunes, that would help us to grow on the charts, and in doing so, you'd be helping other people to find the podcast. I'm Jonathan V, and this is Fathering Excellence. Tom, thanks so much for being here today. Starting out, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? I'm a software engineer for a medical device company. My wife and I both started there uh, 28 years ago, 29 years ago, and we met there, actually. She went down the research side, and I went down the development side, and I work now in uh, the neurological group. And if I uh, understand correctly, you have two kids, is that right? Yep. I have an older son, Xander. He uh, lives and works in Chicago. So thinking back, could you describe where it is that you were when you first learned that Kyra had clinched her position as one of the two women on the 2020 USA rock climbing Olympic team? So yeah, we were actually in Toulouse uh, watching the competition where she qualified. And yeah, I can't say there was anything more stressful than sitting in that audience waiting for the final climbers to finish. And we didn't know that she had actually qualified until very nearly the last climber climbed. And she climbed fairly early in the sequence. So there was 20 climbers all together. And I think she was fourth or fifth. And we had to wait till 18th or 19th before we realized she was in. And watching each one of those climbers and you know, not wanting to root against them, but also you know, rooting for our daughter. It was really stressful. Yeah. Then we finally figured out that, hey, mathematically, she's in. We're, we, we were sure she was in. And so we went running up to where she was sitting, and she was sitting with her teammates. And we went up there, and she was bawling. And we were like, oh, no, we were wrong. And it was turned out to be tears of joy. So that was, that was uh, really exciting. And then immediately the, the media kicks in. 
There's microphones everywhere trying to capture every word you say. How are you feeling personally in that moment? What's going through your head as a dad, your daughter, Kyra, just clinches this position? You just realize that her tears are tears of joy and it's, it's actually real. Uh, it's, it's completely surreal. Can't imagine you know, her dreams coming true. You know, we, we didn't necessarily, it wasn't on our radar until the last two years that Linux was even a possibility. Then she spoke her desire to become part of it, and we back her 100%. And that whole week of that competition in Toulouse, I hardly slept at all. And then all of a sudden, it happened. And there we were, all kind of crying, hugging, and just happy. (laughs) Yeah, I cannot cannot imagine. And I've had a multitude of very proud moments with my son. And then the press as well. How has that been for you as a father and for, for her and for your family? So like I said, yeah, the microphones started showing up and they were not shy. We'd be hugging Kyra and they'd bring up a microphone in between us trying to capture whatever we were whispering into each other's ears. And it was just amazing how thoroughly they wanted to cover all aspects of this event and, and those who had moved on to qualify for the Olympics. So at the time of this recording, we're in the midst of the COVID-19 outbreak. The Olympics have been postponed from 2020 to 2021. If I am correct, it's the first time in history that there's been a postponement. There's been a, a handful of other cancellations due to war. How are you feeling about all of this? Well, hearing about the postponement was actually a relief because that cancellation option was always kind of hanging out there. And then there was this other question of, was her qualification going to still stand? And they've answered that since since then. And yes, it's still going to stand. So there's no requalification for, for climbing anyway. It's a sure thing, it sounds like, for Kyra then. That's, that's fantastic. When you were going through this period of uncertainty, what kind of conversations, if, if any, did you have with Kyra? And uh, from the perspective of a father, how do, you, how do you approach that with your daughter? I am uh, very much a, you know, this is out of our control. We can't, we can't make anything happen. So the best we can do is wait and see. Hopefully that eases that tension for Kyra. I'll have to ask her if that's the case. Well, that sounds like a healthy perspective. If it's out of your control, try your best to not worry about it. Kind of rolling back the clock. Can you provide a, a flavor for family life at the Condi house? Well, uh, when our son was born, Medtronic, our company, let me go part-time. So I, I worked part-time for the period of time where he was uh, in our lives and our daughter wasn't. And then we switched. Uh, I was kind of the, the morning feed him, get him up, get him out parent. Kathy would stay home in the afternoons with him. And then I'm, I'm mostly the cook and get him to bed person. And uh, getting to bed was kind of my specialty, I guess. I usually sang to them. I would read to them. They seemed to respond to that. That's awesome. So you were part-time. It sounds like both your company and yourself were ahead of your time. It's terrific that that you felt that that was something that you could do. Was that a difficult decision for the two of you to come to? Both of us were fully on board with it. And my company was, uh, I mean, they they really went all in. They set me up with a computer at home so that I could answer questions if people had things come up. But uh, my parents weren't so excited about it. Actually, my mom, I don't think ever told my dad that we did this. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Yeah. She got, she stopped me outside the house one time and said, 
and she was kind of shaking and she said, I don't, I'm not comfortable with this. You know, this is going to ruin your career. So I, you know, I tried to comfort her as much as possible and say, you know, the times have changed and you know, my family is, is my career. Yeah. That's wonderful. Oh, good for you. You mentioned that you would sing your kids to sleep. Was music an important part of the Condi household? Um, music was a good thing in our in our house. I sing all the time, even though I suck at singing. I sing to our dog when I take her outside. I sing to the kids when they go to bed. I sing, and it, it really took off with my son. Uh, but Kyra also is very musical. She has a, a lovely voice, and she plays flute still today, but uh, not probably as well as she did in high school. But I think you could probably find something on uh, Instagram of her playing flute. <laughs> Makes you happy. Yes, it does. So uh, did you guys have any family rituals, dinner together, game night activities, things that you would do as a family? Uh, we played games all the time. Sometimes there were whole house games like flashlight tag where turned off all the lights in the house and hid and one person tried to find everybody with flashlight. Uh, other times they were just board games. But yeah, there was always a game going on. Uh-huh. And are are you a competitive person? You know, growing up I was. It's kind of changed over time. But yeah, I would say I was quite competitive when I was young. And Kyra is completely competitive. She's competitive at jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can imagine that. <laughs> Could you help me to understand that? How is one competitive with a jigsaw puzzle? So uh, there's a piece that needs to be found. She's going to be the person to find it. There's, you know, some key piece that needs to connect to blocks that are being built separately. She's going to find that piece. Nobody else is going to find it before her. (laughs) That is great. And when you see that in your, in your kid, is there part of you that feels like, oh, I should put the brakes on this or is it just... You know, it's, that's how she's wired and that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, so way back when we were first married, we were visiting my wife's parents and on his refrigerator, there was this cartoon or a little quote by Harry Truman, or at least that's who it was attributed to saying that his advice on giving advice to children is find out what they want and then advise them to do it. Mm. And so that's kind of the approach I've taken where, uh, find, find out, you know, what drives them uh, and kind of encourage that. Mm. Are there other examples that you can think of where you've done that? Well, so, um, when Kyra was, I'm going to say five, she comes out with a hammer and says, it's okay. I fixed it. And we're like, what did you fix? So she can, shows us, you know, a missing spot of paint or something on our a door uh, in our bathroom, and she'd put a nail in it and pounded it in. <laughs> and she fixed it, and it was still sticking out, so the door wouldn't close anymore. So we explained to her, hey, this didn't need to be fixed. Uh, uh, good job. So I started kind of this rainy day box of things that either needed to be fixed or could be taken apart, and. Uh, when we didn't have anything to do, we could go to the rainy day bags and, and, and grab something out of there, take it apart, try to fix it. We didn't fix it all, all well, but uh, at least we tried to learn something from it. That is great. I, I could I could imagine that going a, a very different direction with some parents. It's it's wonderful that you were able to uh, 
take that instant is is more of an insight into the types of things that she is excited about and to fan that flame as opposed to just scolding her for putting a nail in your door, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of goes back to before I had kids. My my dad had a temper. He was a great dad. And he, we always played games in our house, so he was always willing to play games. But if something went wrong, he got mad. And I kind of felt like the opportunity to learn something was lost in, in the anger. Mm. And so uh, I tried to steer away from that. And I, I can't say I never got angry, but I think the kids would, if I got angry, they realized there was something terribly wrong. It seems like we learn a lot from our, our own fathers. Were there other things like that that you either took from or decided, you know, you wanted to make sure you steered away from as a father? You know, that was the only thing I steered away from. My father, you know, he supported everything we did. Every event we ever participated in, he was there. I tried to do that. Some of Kyra's events are kind of hither and yon. They're hard to get to sometimes, but uh, we tried to go to as many as we can. Uh, my father was always present. We, he was always at dinner. Those are the kind of things that try to carry on. Mm, that's great. You guys do uh, dinner as a family? Was that a regular thing or a, uh, an occasional thing? Uh, it was a regular thing. We tried to have dinner every night. Uh, my wife kind of instituted this thing. Well, it's Wednesday. Somebody tell me something that happened today that starts with W. And then we'd go through the whole Wednesday thing. Who has something that started with E? <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. Were there other uh, expectations or chores or, or particular rules that you all uh, put in place in your family? We had a, a, a please stop rule. Uh, that no matter what you were doing, if somebody said, please stop, you had to stop. And and in that way, the kids wouldn't invoke, please stop until it was absolutely necessary. You know, if you were doing something that was particularly irritating to them, or if you were horsing around and all of a sudden the horsing around got too aggressive or whatever, uh, and they said, please stop, the kid, you know, even amongst themselves, you stopped. Uh, that was kind of our uh, code word for, hey, this isn't, this isn't going the right way. <laughs> uh, were there ever times where you needed to help your kids navigate a difficult situation or intervene in a problem that they may have found themselves in? Uh, uh, this particular occurrence, I know that it happened uh, on occasion that Kyra would have some trouble and I would have to go out and, and see what I could do about it. And uh, there are some kids down the block, friends of hers, you know, but, uh, you know, friends sometimes gang up on one friend and she's a vegetarian and they, they wanted to tease her about that for some reason. And so she climbed up in a tree uh, just in fun, I think. And, but then they rubbed hot dog or something all over the tree so that she couldn't climb down because she didn't even want to touch meat. That's horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. Uh, and kids are kids but you know so she came home crying and i went down the block and i talked to those kids and i, I think i gave them the you know how do you treat a friend speech and things went swimmingly from there on in i guess uh, and i didn't know this till actually she was in college and uh, she was studying with one of these kids from down the street kind of studying chemistry and he told her that that talk changed his life or uh, maybe that's an overstatement uh, that it stuck with him. So 
it kind of surprised me that you know that those little things that you do not only affect your own children but they affect the other people yeah yeah how would you imagine a conversation like that might have sounded if you were talking to that to that kid so i'm sure i, I pointed out that you, you know kyra doesn't like meat and doesn't have anything to do with meat and here you guys are taunting her with it you know and now she's in tears and, and you guys are here laughing about that how does that make you feel you know that that you is that what you wanted to accomplish that that you you hurt somebody that that's a friend of yours to the point where they're in tears and, and you're happy about that probably guilt you know kind of guilt them a little bit mm-hmm. it sounds like you really tried to get them to think about other people, develop a sense of empathy. Yeah. And, uh, and like I said, I, I realized that it had worked because she was back playing with them the next day uh, and didn't have any more problems, but didn't realize the impact it had till years later. So that would have been, she was probably uh, eight or nine and then 22. So 13 years later. Wow. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And, and when did Kyra first show an interest in climbing? Was there an instant where she you started noticing her inclination towards climbing? Yeah, so there was certainly an instant. Uh, she went to a, a birthday party and at a climbing gym. And one of the uh, coaches for the gym's team said, hey, you're, you should join our team. And we signed her up the next day, I think. And from there, it was kind of obvious that that's where she should have been all along. But uh, looking back, she was always kind of a climber. The little backpack she put kids in, she would be climbing up on top of your head from that. <laughs> she, climbed, she climbed out of her crib way too early. We had to just put her on the, a low bed. So, yeah, climbing was kind of in her blood. So it sounds like it was fortuitous that she got invited to that birthday party. Were you purposefully exposing her to a variety of different activities or was she interested in a variety of different activities prior to that moment? Oh yeah. She tried soccer and t-ball and all the usual kid sports. And she, she was doing those things uh, up until she found climbing and then climbing became it. And how did you know that was, that was it? Well, you know, you kind of see it in, in your kids, the, the desire to not be late to practice, you know, if, if we have some reason we need to not have her go to climb, climb, you know, we have some family event or whatever, and she's all bummed that she can't go climbing. It's pretty obvious that, you know, that's, that's her driving force. So you see that passion. How do you support it? You, you get in the car, you drive her to climbing. We, we started climbing ourselves. Uh, you did. That's fantastic. And we being you and your wife? And my son, too, he, he, uh, he'd had these other things going on, so he, he, he couldn't climb. At first, it was music lessons, taking him to play piano. Uh, then it was uh, musical theater, so going and helping build sets while he was rehearsing and working behind the scenes during the shows. Yeah, so we would I'd drive her to climbing, drive him to his play. I would be at the play for a while. Then other times it'd be, we'd drive her to climbing. We'd try to climb a little bit in the gym. As I understand, she progressed very fast. Yeah, I think that's true. She, uh, interestingly, she's fast. So the speed climbing 
suited her. It wasn't necessarily her favorite, but uh, it suited her. So she qualified for the the nationals in speed climbing, uh, one of her very first years of climbing. And so, yeah, that was kind of interesting to find ourselves at a national level competition with our daughter, who we thought was just a beginner. <laughs> <laughs> so when she first started climbing, uh, she would go to these competitions and, and she'd not do as well as she had hoped or she'd see some climber that she's like, Oh, they're so good. And what I began to notice was she had mentioned these climbers and then pretty soon she was besting them in the competitions. And I, I kind of looking back, I think she was setting her own little goals to, to be as good as that person or to be better than that person. You could kind of see it build over time. And I think I can name three or four people. I won't name them, but she had in her sights and uh, it drove her to succeed. That's great. The inspiration. Yeah. Imagine, uh, as is the case with any competitive athlete, there's times where there's failure. How would you counsel or, or, or would you or would you not say anything to Kyra when she didn't perform as well as she would have liked to? Yeah, Kyra does not like sympathy. Uh, she actually had a name for it for her mom. She called it her sympathetic annoying face. Kathy's lip would quiver. She, you know, kind of her eyes would droop and look sad. And Kyra did not like that. She wanted to be treated normally if she did badly. And frequently that meant, leave me alone. I, I am going to deal with this. I'm going to come out of it and I'm going to be better for it or whatever. Yeah, she uh, didn't like consoling. And is that a mindset that you tried to cultivate in her? You know, I think in general, that's kind of my perspective is, but I don't know that I cultivated that in her, you know, kind of, you know, this is not in my control anymore. So it's, it's done. Let's try to put it behind us. But it was certainly something we recognized and realized that the best way we can help her is to kind of let her work it out herself. And, and were you an athlete? Either are, are you one now or were you one growing up? And if so, were there any sort of transferable learnings? No, I was a wrestler. And so just maybe the training side of it was transferable. But to be truthful, we kind of leave that up to her. We're, we're, we're not very kind of helicopter-ish parents. Again, just you know, find out what she wants to do and encourage her to do it. Mm -hmm. Pointing out maybe, hey, you should be trying to cross-train a little bit. If you want to be better at all three, you need to get some endurance. But not making her do it or trying to convince her that she has to do it, just kind of making the suggestion and waiting for her to discover that, hey, parents are sometimes right. Mm. Gosh, that's so hard for me. I think I over-suggest sometimes. It's hard to just plant the seed and maybe put a little bit of water on it, but I think I overwater it sometimes. <laughs> I'm sure I did too. I, I'm only thinking of the good times. <laughs> so Kyra's found the sport that she loves, passionate about it. She's excelling. Before you know it, there you are at the Nationals. And soon thereafter, uh, she's diagnosed with idiopathic scoliosis at age 13, severe spinal curvature requiring surgery. So what's going through your head when you, when you hear that? Well, first of all, it's, how do we not know this? You know, uh, how could we get, let this happen to our daughter? Um, 
then it's, oh my God, what's this mean? Uh, you know, and climbing is the furthest thing from our minds at that point. For her, it's, it's the epicenter uh, of what this means for her. And, uh, and we didn't even realize that till we got to the doctor and, uh, you know, the doctor says, you know, climbing isn't everything. And she breaks down in tears and we find out that yes, it is. Mm. I mean, we understand that she's really excited about climbing, but, uh, that this is really, uh, the most important thing for her. So, uh, we got two more doctor's opinions and the second one was very uplifting for her. And he's the doctor that we ended up going with. Uh, she'd gone to doctor's appointments, you know, annually, uh, and one even just months before this was discovered. And, uh, they went back and looked at the report for that appointment and the doctor said they did a scoliosis review. I, I suspect they missed it, but. One of the problems from our perspective is it was an S curve, so it brought her back straight again. And so it wasn't apparent to us just looking at her that she was had some issue. She occasionally complained about her back, but kids complain about pains all the time. My wife noticed her standing kind of funny with her hand on her hip occasionally, but thought that was just attitude. So looking back, you know, we noticed a couple things maybe that we, we missed, but yeah, no, it was that was scary. No doubt, no doubt. And the surgery is just brutal. Uh, they open her up from her neck down to her hips, and they break every bone. Oh my goodness! And uh, make it heal as one big bone. And so she still has hardware in there, the metal hardware, only because they didn't want to remove it. It doesn't really provide any support. It's the actual solid bone that provides her most of her support. Interesting. How does that affect her today? Definitely affects her. Uh, she doesn't have the mobility, sideways bending mo mobility that uh, other people do. And it, it's funny, we don't notice it because she kind of works through it. She finds her way of doing things. Occasionally, she'll do something that points out, hey, this is, this is where it affects her the most. And it happens on the climbing wall occasionally where there's a move that she just can't do. Uh, she'll she'll try to find some uh, way around those issues where she'll uh, climb it differently than anybody else. Uh, I, there was actually one climb where it benefited her that she saw this uh, beta that, and I don't know if you know the word beta. Beta is if you, if you were to give somebody instructions on how to climb a specific climb, that's the beta. And so when when they when they look at a climb, the beta is how they plan to climb it. And she saw a beta that nobody else saw. Because the beta that everybody else saw was something she knew she couldn't do. And she went right up the climb and everybody else struggled with it. So that's, that's a rare case, but it definitely was something we noticed that, hey, <laughs> she, uh, she has to climb differently than everybody else. So, so she makes it past the, the surgery. It sounds like certainly by all appearances, rehab went well. Was that a difficult process as a father uh, working with her to help her get through rehab? So I kind of dreaded getting her home and having to, you know, help her get out of bed and do whatever. And actually the worst moment was when she woke up from surgery and she was in pain and I couldn't do a thing. I don't know if that's the normal, but she was just in agony when, when she came out from under anesthesia 
Um, it it seemed like it took forever uh, to get that pain under control. I'm sure it was a matter of minutes, but uh, that was the worst moment. As soon as she was up in her her room where she was recovering in the hospital, she was always positive, uh, always trying. And this is again her competitive nature. She uh, wanted to be the fastest person ever to come out of that surgery and leave and go home. <laughs> and so four days later, she was home. And uh, the doctor said, you know, the best thing you can do is walk, just walk. And she had a friend down the street that uh, was happy and helpful and wanted to get her out walking. And, and there they were. They went out walking every day. Uh, the recovery I, I was hardly went by in a blur. It was all, uh, and it was all good. Oh, that's terrific. And then she's, then she's back to competitions and competing at a higher level pretty soon thereafter. Uh, is that correct? Oh yeah. She was, um, I think just before her surgery, she had competed in a bouldering nationals. She placed 11th or something. And then after the surgery, this might be a father talking. I think it was the very next nationals that she won. Wow. It, it might've been the following year. To win period, but to win even within a few years after that kind yeah. of a surgery is just incredible. So now it's, she's competing more. She's getting older and, and even more competitive. Were there certain things you needed to do to support that sacrifices that you needed to make, or you and your wife needed to make? So we, we were happy to go to these events and try to get her to those events. Uh, she started getting sponsors, which was a big help. You know, at the point where she was going all over the world, we'd worked for this company for more than 20 years. Uh, so we had weeks of vacation. So uh, we were able to go uh, and watch her climb. It was, it was wonderful. And when she's traveling, were you were you both, or was one of you always there, or were there sometimes instances where you had to entrust the team, the coaches? Was that difficult? I think almost always one of us was there. We were kind of those parents who wanted to drive the, the van down and bring the kids, and I'm sure there was one or two that we didn't. I, I can remember one case where they were going to have a camp out with the climbing team, and it came down to where nobody could go except for the two coaches and Kyra. And uh, we were not comfortable with that. Kyra didn't get why we were not comfortable with that. And so there was a bit of a flare-up on that one. Uh, in the end, I think if you ask her now, she knows that that was the right decision. But uh, other than that, I think everything went pretty smoothly. We, uh, we went to, I'm going to say, 80% of her competitions in her youth days. You mentioned earlier sponsors coming into the mix. What did that look like and, and how or did you help to navigate that very unusual situation to have your child in? Yeah, at first it was, you know, just free equipment, free shoes, free harnesses, maybe a blade tool or something. And that seemed relatively advantageous because we, you know, it's money we didn't have to spend, but we didn't really kind of picture it as a sponsorship. Uh, but then they started uh you know, wanting contracts and things like how do they manage if there's going to be money involved? How do they manage that? And in what circumstances does she get money? In what circumstances does she not get money? And, you know, we never really got a lawyer involved. We just kind of talked with other primers and their parents and kind of navigated it by example more than by legality. Mm -hmm. 
I'm certainly not asking you to, to name names. Uh, were there any particular challenges with particular sponsors or any that you decided to say thank you, but but no thank you? No, it was there, there, those decisions we kind of left up to Kyra. I mean, at this point, when she's getting sponsors, she's 17 years old and she knows which direction she wants to take her climbing. She and we encouraged her in this. She had one sponsor that treated her very badly on a phone call and she wanted out of that contract. And uh, we had several interactions with her trying to figure out what was the best way to go about getting out of it, whether she should get out of it. And we felt like, you know, if they treat you badly, you need to get out of there. And so she did. Do you feel comfortable commenting on what they were doing that made her feel badly or uh, how it was that they were talking to her? Well, I felt like they were trying to pressure her to, to do more than what was in her contract and trying to make her feel immature and like she didn't understand the contract and she definitely understood what was required of her and uh, they were overstepping and really insulting her intelligence and her personally and she wanted out Uh and doing more being things like appearances or or postings or whatever yeah is that something that you had any experience with prior to that i have absolutely none Uh, my wife has none (laughs) it's kind of it's funny as soon as they get so many followers on Instagram, they become influencers and people want them to do things and they'll give them money to do it. You know, and it's, they're simple things like just say my name in your post. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it sounds like she's, she's got a good group of sponsors, far too many for me to be able to name, but I'm certainly familiar with Mountain Hardware. They're a terrific uh, outdoor apparel and equipment company and uh, gnarly nutrition, like sports nutrition company, uh, neither of which are a sponsor of this podcast, but must make you proud to see not just that she's a sponsored professional climber, but also the quality of the sponsors that she has backing her. Absolutely. And it was really nice to see her understand when she was being mistreated and to want out. Right. You know, so that we understand that these, these folks are really doing well by her. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did your relationship with your kids change and with Kyra in particular when they left the house? It's a really kind of sad, right? You have the, like I said, we dinner every night, lots of games. Uh, as you go, they go through high school, they start to kind of distance themselves more. Mm-hmm. And and are you still uh, finding opportunities to provide the occasional parental suggestion? Uh, what does that look like now from a fathering perspective? So yeah, you get you get phone calls like uh, I'm trying to put a drywall screw in. Uh, how do I do that? Um, <laughs> or the car is making this funny noise. And then you try to get them to make the funny noise. And, and, and you, you relish those times because yeah, they're, they're fewer and farther between every, every year. I bet. I bet. So she recently clinched her position on the Olympic climbing team. When was it between the time that she left the house or perhaps it was when she was still in the house? When did she declare her interest in pursuing that goal? You know, speaking that is is a commitment that you want to do it. And so lots of climbers were thinking, hey, you know, this would be cool. She came out pretty quickly and said, I want to do this. I'm going to make this happen. And she never really looked back. So... 
that was really cool to see that she was going to make that commitment that she was going to work for that particular goal and then actually to see it happen. That's great. How did you respond to that? All in, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So I have uh, just a few more closing questions. Okay. What are three words? What are three words that you think Kyra or Xander or your wife might use to describe your parenting style? Involved, laid back, um, connected. How would you describe connected? Trying to understand what they want and helping them get it without, you know, again, trying to be the helicopter parents where you're setting their goals for them. So support more than push. Are there any books or resources or habits that have helped you to be a better father? I think the last parenting book that I read was What to Expect When You're Expecting. Great book. It's a great book. <laughs> but that was, what, 26 years ago. So, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I kind of subscribe to Don't Worry, Be Happy. Uh-huh. That's a good mantra to have. <laughs> and finally, is there, any, uh, is there any advice that you would give to other fathers, fathers of athletes specifically or just fathers in general? I think uh, the temper thing is a, is a huge one. You know, try to laugh at well, maybe only to yourself some of the mistakes your kids make. Don't get angry. Help them understand what they did wrong and redirect to something more productive. That's terrific advice. Tom, thank you very much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. You are an excellent father. And we will be rooting for Kyra in the 2021 Olympics. So thanks again. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Fathering Excellence. And thanks to Tom Condy. If you enjoyed the podcast, please remember to take a moment to post a review on iTunes. It only takes a minute and it helps the podcast appear higher on search results, which makes it easier for others to find. We also love to hear from you. So if you've got a guest idea, feedback, or just want to say hello, send a note to us at info, I-N-F-O, at fatheringexcellence.com. Or use the contact form on our website. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Most importantly, remember to spend some time today with your child. It goes by in the blink of an eye.